0: That door please. Yes. Want them to only be able to get in from one direction. Thank you. All right. Luke or er, Matthew chapter one. Chapter one beginning at verse seven sixteen it says, And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David unto the carrying away unto Babylon are 14 generations. From the carrying away unto Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. when, As his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. Saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and they shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, took unto him his wife, and he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Doubt of the message tonight. Joseph. A man greatly used of the Lord. Let's pray, Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your precious Word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, challenge us. Uh, may you be glorified. May we be edified. We pray, in Jesus' name, Amen. Second Timothy two twenty and twenty one says, "But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver." And I Really, technically, I think that the great house referring to here is the church. It is the pillar and ground of the truth. But anyway, great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man, therefore, purge himself from these. Now, the previous few verses are talking about um, old wives' tales and some spurious doctrine kind of things of uh, some were saying the resurrection was already passed, so. So if you purge yourself from these kinds of things, things that are not profitable, not important, or, or corrupt, um, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. And of course the word sanctified means set apart. You know, the idea in Scripture is set apart for holy use. So it's kind of separated the idea of separation from that which is evil. And meat means fit or usable. And so, uh, if a man is sanctified, set apart, and fit or meat for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. Joseph was such a man. Joseph was such a man. He was a man that was greatly used of the Lord, although he was by class... Station in life, just a peasant, if you will. Uh, he was a carpenter. That was not considered a high class profession back then. But anyway, but as we think about sanctifi- sanctification is a process of change. It's of growing, of, or improving. You know, how does how does one grow or improve? How do you do that? How do you how do you improve a rough piece of wood? You have to sand it. You have to work on it. Uh, how do you get a wrinkle out of a shirt? You have to put some heat to it. Iron it. How do you make progress in business or in academics? How do you make progress in anything? It takes work or effort. It's what it takes. Sanctification is no different. And if you want to be used of the Lord, it, it, it's, it's also essential that this is an essential characteristic. You know, Joseph was a man with strength of, we would say, with strength of character. One commentator said his presence at Christ's birth witnesses to a severe test that had emerged triumphant, unquote. And we'll examine that in a little bit. But uh, as I thought about strong character, uh, I found this said about strong character. It is accepting the consequences for what we say and do. It also means developing our potential. Developing requires work. It requires forcing yourself out of your comfort zone to accomplish new things. That's the idea. Uh, people who are responsible don't make excuses for their actions or blame others when they go wrong, when things go wrong. They think things through and use good judgment before they take action. So we're talking about a man of character, a man that was greatly used of the Lord. And I want to notice three things tonight as we consider this man uh, Joseph. Uh, and and think about uh, this man of character, of course, there's many qualities we could say that he had. But one of the three tonight from his life. First of all, he demonstrated great faith in the Lord. Notice this verse 19 21, 20 through 21 and then verse 24. It says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying... Joseph, thou son of David, for not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus. Notice, thou shalt call. It was the father's responsibility to name the child. Back then. Uh, for he shall save his people from their sins. Verse 24 says, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did, as the angel said, the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. Now that was not something that was easy to do, and I'll make mention more of that later. But but we see here that Joseph is—he's described as a just man, and 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 he demonstrates that he was just, that he was a righteous man. He would have been considered one declared righteous by God. He believed God, and demonstrated it by his obedience. He did what God told him to do. He did what God told him to do. You know, Romans 4, 3 says of Abraham, for what saith the Scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. In other words, he acted on the promise that God gave him. He obeyed it. and So, he is a just man. He demonstrated great faith in that he was a just man. Secondly, he, he lived righteously, Notice verses twenty four and twenty five again. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and called his name Jesus. And and then in also in Luke's Gospel, chapter two, you know it's interesting. You think about this man Joseph. You know there's a lot of Josephs in the Bible, but not much is said about him. Somebody that had you know, such an impact, you might say, or a part in the life of our Savior, and yet there's little, not much said about it. But what is said does speak volumes. Luke chapter 2, verse 22 and 23 <coughs> says uh, And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So we find them here doing that which was written of in the law. And then verses 41 and 42, it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. So, so he he lived a righteous life. He was obedient to the commands of God. Even you know that journey, you know, he didn't he didn't jump in his car and just drive on up to Jerusalem. Um, yeah, I don't know how how long it would have taken him to go from Nazareth to Jerusalem. I didn't ch- didn't check that out, but it was it was certainly an inconvenience. And yet he did it. They did it. You know, it would have been said of him as it was said of Zacharias, that he was according to the law blameless. He was a man that was faithful. Uh, he, he, was, he would have been called a faithful man. Uh, in Nehemiah seven two it says that I gave my brother Hananiah, Hananiah, and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. You know, Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man? Who can find? Who can find? Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. And of course, 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, Moreover, it is required in the stewards that a man be found faithful. You know, Joseph demonstrated his great faith in the Lord in that he lived a righteous life. He was a faithful man of God as Moses was faithful over his house. Hebrews 3 tells us. So, so here's a man that demonstrated great faith in the Lord. Secondly, he was willing to count the cost for the Lord. Now, two things here I want to mention. Number one, he is willing to bear reproach. Now notice verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before the game she before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought in these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, Fear not take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that uh, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So he was willing to bear reproach. You know, here he is, he's espoused, or he's engaged you married to this Mary, and she's found with child. Of course, his first thought was she's betrayed me. She's betrayed me. And then the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, no, Joseph, it's of the Holy Ghost. She's going to bring forth the Savior into the world. But you see, this reproach was something that they bore all their life. You know, John 8, 41, the Pharisees said to Jesus, what? We be not born of fornication. What were they saying? You're an illegitimate child. That's what they accused him of. Now think about it. think about that. That was the ruling class in Jerusalem. That was those were the people that ran the temple where he went every year. And they would have said, That child's born of fornication. And if they would have said it to him publicly, what do you think they said in private? You know, this would have meant he had never even been considered on level with them as far as society is concerned. So this would have been a great reproach to have to bear even though it was not true. But see, only those of faith believed otherwise. And that was the minority. The great minority. So he was willing to bear reproach. You know, you and I must be willing to bear reproach of the world for the cause of Christ. There is a, there is a sense in which the world thinks we're very foolish. You know, that we, that we uh, hold our kids back. That we hinder them from their potential. We don't allow them to express themselves. You know, I've seen, I've seen a lot of people that allow their children to express myself, themselves. And I just soon have those that weren't allowed to express themselves. Thank you. But you know, that's the philosophy today. Some think we, we, don't, we can't have fun, you know, can't enjoy life. But anyway, we have to be willing to count the cost, to bear the reproach. Secondly, he was willing, he was willing to sacrifice to protect those given into his charge. Now, though he's not Jesus' father, he, by believing God, By his faith in God, he has been given that responsibility as, Joseph, or as Jesus' legal guardian and protector. So he's willing to sacrifice to do that. You know, he, be, he became, if you will, a guardian of a son that was not his, biologically. You know, he provided a home for, and he really earned the honor of, quote, father. In fact, look at Luke 2, 33. <coughs> Luke 2. And verse 33 <coughs> says, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. There it just recalls to him as Joseph. But look in John chapter 1, verse 45. John chapter 1, verse 45. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And again in chapter 6, verse 42 says and they said is not this Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know how is it then that he saith I came down from heaven now this is the response the Pharisees but in John chapter 1 this is Philip although I'm sure you know I don't know whether Philip just spoke this uh not understanding really who at this point who Jesus really is but I think he did understand but Jesus was considered by all earthly means or jo, I'm sorry, Joseph was considered by all earthly means Jesus' father. In other words, his legal guardian, the one who assumed that responsibility, evidently, you know, it's sort of like a, a, an adopted child. You know, if a family adopts a child, legally, that man is that child's father. Biologically, he is not. But by The the world around them, he has assumed that responsibility, and this is what Joseph did, and other people recognized it that he did this. So he provided a home, and earned the honor of father uh, to Jesus, though he was not really his father. The second thing we see here is he provided protection for him again at great expense. Look at Matthew chapter two, Matthew chapter two, verses thirteen to fifteen. Of course, after the wise men came, which was after the manger, it wasn't at, they didn't come to the manger. But sometime later, <clears throat> it says, And when they parted, uh, speaking about the wise men, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. Be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. So, you know, he, he provided protection for him. He pulled up stakes. You know, the doesn't, Bible doesn't tell us how long they were in Egypt, but, but we know from, or how long, in, or, or how long it took there but to get there, but we know from from the Exodus that when the children of Israel left Egypt, the Bible says it was 11 days journey to the land of Canaan. took them 40 years. But it was 11 days journey. So Joseph then, at great sacrifice to himself, took Jesus and Mary and went to Egypt because of Herod, the threat of Herod. So he was willing He was willing to count the cost to do what God asks of him to do. You know, we need to be willing to count the cost. Do what God asks us to do. And then I want you to notice the third thing. He displayed temperance in his life. The word temperance is a... dictionary describes it as habitual moderation in regard to the indulgence of natural passions and appetites. In verses 19 through 20, we want we to notice two things here. First of all, he was not rash or hasty in judgment. Verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, you know, he's found out she's with child. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David you not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. <coughs> Excuse me. So in those days, when something like this happened, you know, she could have been stoned. They could have had her stoned according to the law. That's what the Pharisees wanted to do. That's what they came to Jesus with. You know, they said to find this woman in adultery, and the, they said the law says to stone her. What sayest thou? Not sure how you can catch a woman in adultery without a man being caught in adultery, but I guess the Pharisees could figure out how to do that. But anyway, no, it says, while he thought on these things. In other words, he was not hasty or rash in his judgment, <clears throat> he did not seek revenge for an appeared. Betrayal of trust. You know, Romans twelve seventeen says, "Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men." You know, he could have, he could have made her, as it says here, a public example. He could have shamed her for her betrayal. But he demonstrated great temperance and self control, and not acting vengefully. Or, or hasty in his judgment. Uh, he also exercised discipline in his own life. Notice verse 25 it says. And he knew her not till she brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. So he, 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 he exercised great self-restraint. And not knowing her till after Jesus was born. You know, a disciplined person, you exercise discipline here, a disciplined person does not take the easy way out, but the right or most beneficial way. You know, most times the easiest way is not the best way. It's not the best way. You see, discipline means... Stretching yourself. It means pushing yourself. It means going out of your comfort zone. That's what we do with our children when we start educating them. What are we doing? We're stretching their minds. If we don't stretch them, we don't learn. It really boils down to subduing the flesh or not giving in to the natural appetites or desires of the flesh. That's what it boils down to. Go to Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 8. Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. In other words, they just live to please whatever is easy to the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 13 says... For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, or reckon dead, or subdue the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So we have to subdue the flesh, or the weakness of the flesh. So we have to push ourselves. Many times we make, make excuses why we can't do something when we that we should to stretch our growth and increase our knowledge and usefulness we take the easy way out which is really to say it bluntly the lazy way out you know I remember one time there was a uh, they called them wakes I never heard of the name wake until I went to Maine I guess they call them wakes here sometimes too Pennsylvania, we always called it viewing. Maybe it was the area I grew up in. I don't know. But anyway, um, there was a wake of somebody that we knew from the church. And this this one lady said, I don't go to those things. I'm just uncomfortable. I said, well, you need to get out of your comfort zone for the consideration of others. You know, if I didn't go where I was not comfortable, I'd never make a hospital visit. And I wouldn't go to funerals either. I don't mind preaching the funeral, but talking to the people directly and trying to offer some comfort and knowing what to say, your guess is as good as mine. Well, you know, you know, the preacher, I guess, is supposed to know all the right words. But I'm telling you, I feel uncomfortable. It's part of the job, though. i got to do it. I'm um, not saying I one out of that part of it but, but you know it, you have to be willing to go out of your you have to push yourself you have to stretch yourself taking the, way, the easy way out is the lazy way out no matter what it is see building character or sanctifying yourself so that your meat for the master's use to be used by God as Joseph was is going to require that you go out of your comfort It's going to require sacrifice, hard work, and denial of the flesh. That's what it's going to require. If we won't do it, well, that's going to limit our usefulness to the Lord and our usefulness to those around us that God's given us opportunity to minister to. You see, Joseph was a man who was greatly used, though he wasn't in the limelight. And yet he had a great impact and part in the early life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had the most influential part of anyone. You might say, well, uh, maybe Mary had... Well, you know, she was the vehicle through which he came into the world. But, but it's, it's, you know, from, from a biblical standpoint and from a world standpoint, the most influential person in a young man's life is his father, without question. And Joseph had that part. You know, he was a man that was greatly used by the Lord. You know, character is developed as we sacrifice and as we push ourselves. I think it was Woodrow Wilson. I'm pretty sure Woodrow Wilson was president of Princeton Seminary, I think, at at a time, before he became president. A fellow came to him one time, a wealthy man, about his son, and he said, he wanted him to get a college degree, but he didn't want it to take four years. The typical four year program to get it. And Woodrow Wilson said to him, Sir, when he graduates, do you want a sapling or an oak? In other words, you can cut corners, but you'll get what you put into it. So, you know, if we want the Lord to use us. We have to be willing to allow him, allow him to sanctify us and prepare us. That simply means to grow us and change us, to improve us. That we might be a man or a woman greatly used of the Lord as Joseph was. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the example of this godly man that you've given us in your word. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, particularly as men, to take the instruction, to heed it. And as women, Father, that we might allow you to work in our lives, to mold us and make us into that person you desire of us to be that we're willing to sacrifice and willing to put forth the effort to allow you to change us and conform us to the image of your Son. Thank you for the sufficiency that we have in Christ. Thank you for your word that instructs us and teaches us that we might be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.